morning, everyone. Got my pen ready. <laughs> well, that's it, just a fantastic morning. It's so good to have a space where we can just um, oh, clean out the cobwebs, empty the bin. <laughs> We've got full bins, got to empty them. I'm going to, um, first of all, I'm just going to read our passage for the day from um, from the message because I think it's been really lovely just hearing it in a different way um, to what we might be used to. And then I'll share some things, thoughts with you. Philippians 3, starting at verse 10. So all that stuff in the bin... I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I've made it, but I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm often running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is Easy Street. They hate Christ's cross. But Easy Street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of the Saviour, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. Amen. Amen. And that that is the wondrous blood of Christ. That's where it's taking us. That which Jesus did for us. And, you know, I've been in my garden a lot lately. It's really green. It's amazing. It's so green that when I was mulching yesterday, it kept on clogging up because there's so much moisture in the mulcher. But it wasn't always like that. When we first arrived at this house 16 years ago, it was in drought. And um, the front garden, the, the tree in the front garden, if any of you know it, was just the height of the fence. And... There was a lot of weeds, like a lot of weeds, big weeds. (laughs) They were massive. And there was also this really bizarre plant. I think it was some kind of 
artichokey thing. It looked like a thistle. It was really ugly. I was told it was really special. It was really ugly. Ian and Rosemary knew I thought it was really ugly. And um, a year after being there, we were away on holidays and I asked them if they could just watch out for the house. I wish they were here. <laughs> I feel bad talking about them without them here. Down in Sydney with family. But um, I came back and it was gone. This horrible, ugly, enormous plant was gone. At first I kind of thought, oh, that's bold or something. Imagine taking a plant out of someone's garden. <laughs> but then I was like, wow, like there's a hole there now. It's clear. Like I can, I can think of different things in that space. I, I can dream about what is possible in that place now. It, it doesn't have to stay with that ugly plant there anymore. And um, it's, it's, it's like getting a blank piece of paper. And that can be scary for some people, can't it? Like, who loves a blank piece of paper in an exam? Anyone? No. <laughs> it's like, now I've got to fill it. But, but there's also excitement in it because there's possibility. And I know Jeff <laughs> thinks there's a few more plants that should go the same way. Uh, <laughs> I have hope for them. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there are things sometimes in our life that, that just should be in the bin. Sometimes we can acknowledge that we can see it and we're able to do it. Sometimes we do need someone else to come along and say, you know what? That just shouldn't be in your life. That's rubbish. And help us to pull it out, to, you know, yank it out. I, it would have been a really bad job. Like, it, it's, a, it's a horrible plant. And we've got plants still in our garden, which, you know, I've kind of tolerated for a while. If anyone knows oyster plants, oh, mate, they just take over. And I've got a spot where I've been tolerating because guess what? They're over the gas pipe. And who wants to tamper with the gas pipe now? <laughs> so I'm having to work out another way of dealing with them rather than just a big, you know, thing to hack them up. But they have to be dealt with to make it clear, to see what else we can do. And this is what Paul is talking about in these couple of verses. Paul has said, you know, I've had that, that past bit is gone. Like, it, it's gone. You know, he's talking in verse 13 and um, I'm going to be a real pain because this is all over the place for the projection. So thank you. They're amazing. He says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul is going to forget that past. He, he, he wants to forget it. Like that's, that's the bin part. That's the part we dealt with last week. And, and Paul said, that, that's gone now. And in place of that, I'm going to look at what is ahead I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Like, that's now where he's going. That, that's, that's the future. That's the eternity bit. That's the place I'm looking for. And Paul says, I'm not, I'm not looking at that anymore. 
now I'm looking at this. Paul was an incredibly ambitious guy. And, you know, we talked about all of his ambitions and all that he achieved last week and how he just saw that as it wasn't worth anything anymore in Christ. But yet there's still something stirring in him. He's, you know, so he starts describing it as this race. Like, okay, that's not it anymore. But, but there's still something in me driving me. There's still something that I have passion for. There's still something that I just, I need to focus on I want to focus on its eternity and I'm going to go there. I'm going to keep pushing forward to get to that point. But what is really the essence of that eternity? Like, is it just heaven? Like, is that the bit he's talking about? Is it just, oh, I can just sit back now and I can relax and life is good, I'm healed I don't think that's actually what he's talking about. Like, it's, it's the reality of what is in that space. And that is to know God, to know him. Like, I'm not talking about here anymore. He's, he's got that bit sorted. It's, it's this bit in here. It's to know God completely and utterly, intimately. The word is an intimate word. To absolutely be wrapped up in him, surrounded by him, to be so close with God that everything else kind of just fades. That's what Paul longs for now. That is his absolute desire and his focus. And so he says in verses um, 10 to 11, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, death so that one way or another, I don't care how, <laughs> I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He's so, he wants that so much now. That that's his driving force. That's his focus. That is the goal that he set before him. To know Christ. To know Christ. But, you know, that's actually not his reality. <laughs> and I don't think it's any of our reality right now. Like, Paul is the first to admit he's not perfect. And I think he had a lot more sorted than me. In verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. Oh, that's hard. We are not perfect. That is our reality. We're not there. Yes, we are saved by the blood of Christ. And, and we can take hold of these things bit by bit. But it's not like it just snap our fingers and it lands there for us. Like there's things we have to deal with in the past and there's, you know, there's... Um, there's just the reality of our personalities. You know, I've still got weeds coming up in my garden, even where this plant was. You know, I still have to deal with them. But yet the vision has shifted. The vision has changed. It's not focusing on the frustration of those things anymore. It's focusing on what Christ has enabled me to shift into because of his blood, because of where I'm going because of my focus, because that I can know Christ. It is possible now. 
It is something that is going to happen. And in that knowing Christ, we start to unpack. We start to unpack how this is. With this centre of our, you know, of this whole blank page that we're just starting to scribble in. We're starting to plan and and think, well, where can I take it? That centre of knowing Christ. Paul hopes that we come with him on this journey. He hopes that it's not just his thing, that, that, that he's going to be the only one that has this, this goal, this passion, this, but that others will come along with him because he is fully convinced that this is the way, that, that this is the way to reaching our goal. Now, it's like we, we see that race and we hear race and we hear prize and and we think, oh, I've got, to, I've got to work hard to get this prize and I've got to run and yes-ish. But it's, it's not a prize that we only get because we've worked hard. It's a prize that Christ has put there waiting for us to enjoy when we begin to follow him. It's already there for us. It's already our prize. And we're living our life to live towards that, to live towards the transformation of what I will be in that space where that prize is waiting. Paul says, let all who are spiritually mature on these things agree with me. And he says, you know, if you disagree on some point, he reckons God will help us sort it out. He said, God will make it plain. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. Paul's really confident that even though it's tricky to follow Christ, even though there are things to navigate, that God will help us as we get to know Christ, that, that things will become, the things that are less clear will start making sense, that, that together on the same path, we can encourage each other, we can walk with each other, we can pull each other's weeds out. New King James says that, it says, let us walk with the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Following Christ is yes, their individual journeys, but it's also together. It's that we're going the same direction together. It's the one God. It's the one Christ. He's the one person that we're, like, he, he doesn't change. We all can get to know him, and what we're getting to know is the same thing. And that's the path we're going along. But what is that rule? <laughs> what is that one rule that we should be staying on? What is the one mind that we can be together on? Like we look at, we get confused when we look at different churches maybe or different expressions of God. And we think that there's division. We think that there's disunity. But there's only one thing that holds us together. 
And Jesus put it this way. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. When we begin to live that out, truly and completely, not only are we living a life worth living, is that we're living a life in the one mind together, with the one goal, with the one vision, with the one purpose, and it's to know Christ. We know to know Christ through loving God and loving people. It's that simple. We love God and we love people. This becomes the outworking of our new ambition. This becomes the outworking of, of where we're going. It's not just that we've put these things on a page and go, I'm going to go from here to here and it's to know Christ. How do I do that? Is I do that through loving God and loving people in equal balance. I love God and I love people. I love God and I love people. And as I do those things, I get to know who Christ is. I get to understand him and know him in my heart. You know, when we love God, we're, we're finding out about him. We're worshipping him. We're praying. We're praising. We're reading. We're, we're gathering with other people. We're spending time alone with him. We're loving God. And on top of that, then we're loving people. Because as we love God, we discover these amazing people that he's created. We discover that there's people that are less fortunate than us. We discover there are people that we don't get on with. We discover that there's people that, in my family, <laughs> we discover that, that we can do life together with these people, even if they look different to me. We discover that they're people that God loves too. And so as we do that, bit by bit, get to know Christ. We're living out what it is to live our best life. You know, and we think, oh, well, how do I know? How do I know that I'm on this track? How do I know that I'm following? How do I know that these decisions that I'm making are right? Am I loving God? Am I loving people? As we do this, Paul says in verse 17, he says, pattern your lives after mine. Learn from those who follow our example. You know that we're not the first people that have done this journey. Paul has. Well, Jesus did it. There's amazing men and women of faith who have done this journey in the past. Let's learn from them. Let's take hold of the things that they've, the examples they've set. Let's find out what it is to do life well, to have the ambition shifted and, and correct and in the right view so that the things that we're doing are flowing through in that area as well. That is a hard thing to do sometimes. There are many other voices in our world and sometimes we think that we think it's the modern voices and the contemporary voices which are correct all the time. 
But we also need to remember that we need to hear them with um, discretion. We need to listen to the things around us carefully. Paul warned about that. You know, he said that he said that that the you know the conduct, the behaviour in verse eighteen. So I've told you often before, and I say it again, with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. That's the hard reality of also what's going on around us. The thing that is um, opposing to the goal that we have, to the new direction, to the new ambitions that we have, is the voices around us. And it may seem harsh and unfashionable to call out the reality of the future of those things, but that's the way the Bible states it, and I can't, I just can't change it. I'm, it's not my position to alter what the Bible says there. So we need our ambition and our goal to keep focused. We need to keep our eyes on the things that matter the most. We need to, to find a way of just pushing that past behind and focusing on what is ahead. Focusing on that heart of knowing Christ. That heart of getting to know him more than in our head, but completely in our heart. Because as we go on that journey, that is where our life worth living starts making sense. It's where it starts impacting the people around us. It's where the choices we make are loud and they're clear. It's where loving God and loving people is played out. When we follow Christ, our life is different. That's, that's what baptism's about. We go, we go down one thing and we come up different. We come up new. We come up fresh. We come up clean. We come up washed with a blank piece of paper. And we can put behind what's gone and we can start looking at what's ahead. Because in verse 20, we are then citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And in this in-between part of the past and eternity, we're waiting for him to return as our saviour. That's what we're doing. And he will take these bodies of ours and he will change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power which he will bring everything under his control. That is our eternal destiny. That is where we're going. And in our eagerness of waiting for that, we long for our lives to be lives worth living. We long for them to, to be counted. And so we do set our sights, like Paul, Get a clear vision. If it helps to put it on a piece of paper, <laughs> do that. 
what is the center of what I'm doing now? What is the central thing, the goal that I'm heading towards? It's to know Christ and all that he is. And how do I get there? I simply love God and I love people. And as I do this step by step, as I run this race, I am living a life worth living. And it will keep shifting and changing and growing. And, and I will know that at the end that I will be able to enjoy the prize that Christ has died for. And this morning, as Jeff comes up, we just finish. You know, it's, it's been an incredible, powerful time over the last couple of weeks, just, you know, with Jeff's message last week and then this morning in communion. Those, those things are really valuable. Those, those places of, of being able to receive what it is that Christ has done and to, to, you know, to get rid of the stuff in our past, they're really powerful. But if we just, if we stay in that place and we, we don't put anything in front of us, if we don't have a vision for our future, if we don't set a goal of where we want to go. You know the weeds are just going to grow up again? <laughs> like, if I didn't put other things or let other things grow in the place of that ugly thing, weeds would grow in that space. And they did for a while. And I had to keep pulling them out, keep on top of it, but now, they're not weeds. Now that space has been filled with beautiful plants. Because I could get a different vision of what that area of garden could be. That is like our lives. Unless we start to plant in there new things to grow and keep attending to the weeds and getting rid of them as they come, not going to go anywhere it's just it's just going to stay a mess so this morning take Paul's advice set a goal set your heart on knowing Christ that is the ultimate goal set your heart on knowing him and then bit by bit start unpacking that plant something in that space you might plant praying you might plant reading your bible you might plant engaging in worship you might plant you know giving to a person serving a person loving a person that is hard to love I plan missions looking beyond yourself to what is possible. There's so many things in that space that once occupied our thoughts and our energies. 
that now we can plant new things. So as you're sitting here, I just close your eyes and just start dreaming. Like we all have holes in the garden. We all have things where something new can be planted, where we can rip something out and something new can go there. What is it for you? What is it that loves God and loves people that will be in that space that will be part of your new ambition to know Christ, to love him, to serve him, to honour him? But as we close, I will offer if there's anyone who's you know, you still got the stuff. You haven't quite been able to get rid of it. You still haven't quite jumped on that journey of following Jesus. Just remember this. Jesus says, come to me all you are weary and carrying heavy burdens. He doesn't want you to carry them. He says he will give us rest. He says that he will take his our yoke. No, he says, take his yoke upon us, his way of doing life. That's his yoke, the way he does life. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Knowing Christ is not hard. He never meant it to be hard start somewhere and he will show us the way he'll make it clear so if you're in that space this morning and you think yeah I'm ready now I'm ready now to let down my way of doing life and I'm ready to take up yours Jesus then just take that moment here you can raise your hand if you want you can speak to me afterwards Also, if you have not been baptised, it's a really good thing, a really good way of showing other people that you're drawing a line in the sand and from now on, there's a new life. I really encourage you to take that opportunity next week to be baptised. Even if you were baptised as a child, it's your decision now not your parents. Jesus, we just thank you. Lord God, we thank you that the past is behind. We have a clean page. And we can set new things ahead of us, new goals, new desires. Lord, help us to choose that well. Help us to sit in that blank space. The things that will help us to live life well. Lord Jesus, and help us to put at the top of that page that our biggest heart and desire would be to know you more, to know you completely and utterly our hearts to be wrapped up in you 
that everything we do in our life becomes an outworking of your heart in us, becomes an outworking of what was important to you, to love God and to love people.